Good morning, everyone. It's 8.30, so we'll go ahead and begin. I'm excited to be here with you this morning. I've already had a wonderful morning of worship and hearing a great speaker, Heather Hodges, spoke in uh, the chapel. I don't know how to pronounce the name of the chapel. Stoffer. Stoffer Chapel. There you go. So appreciated that opportunity to, to go and enjoy worship this morning. And I know that we're among friends. Many of you are connecting with old friends that you've known for years, and we are connecting with family here. And it's just a great time to, to be here. So what, what a great gift from God. Praise God for, for this opportunity to be together. I want to tell you that I know there is no biblical command to use breath prayers. <laughs> but there are instructions to pray like we breathe. Out of necessity, naturally, sometimes desperately, and without ceasing. So we're going to talk about this, breath prayers. Come on in. Welcome. So... I, I would like to know why you're here. And so it's entirely possible that some of you came because of the location of the room or the identity of the speaker or the topic that's being discussed. And it's entirely possible that some of you have a long history of doing breath prayers in your own lives. And yet there may be some who this is a new thing and you came out of curiosity. And so could you muster the courage if you came not knowing much about breath prayers but wanting to learn more you would say you're a novice exploring this whole realm and don't know much about it would you would you let me know by a show of hands that's so helpful thank you that lets me know a little bit about who's here well who's here my name is houston hefflin and i teach in the bible department at abilene christian university in abilene texas and one of my four daughters natalie is with me today she's a freshman in high school in abilene and my wife and i have been married over 20 years and she's back home with the other kids. But we're blessed to be here. Anything else about me? Well, you may know more about me as we go along. But let's talk about breath prayers. So what is a breath prayer? Actually, you know what? What are my goals for our time together? How about we talk about that? I think it would be good if several things happened. One, we all learned something new about breath prayers that we didn't know before. So, so knowledge and new information about, about this practice. The second thing I think is a hard thing I think would be good is if we felt peace in our hearts, and maybe a connection with God through prayer today. I think that would be a good thing, a good outcome. And then I also think it would be good if we, moving beyond this time, we incorporated more prayer into our lives, breath prayers, other types of prayer, and maybe taught other people new ways to pray. So those are some goals I have. Breath prayers. So if you think about prayer, there are many different types of prayer and many ways to pray. But a breath prayer is simply typically a short phrase or sentence that is aligned with our breathing that we repeat to God. So there are several characteristics. It's usually short, usually repeated, and often aligned with our breathing. As an example, let's just dive in. There's a prayer that you are familiar with from the Lord's Prayer, a line that says, give us this day our daily bread, right? You know that from the Lord's Prayer. You could divide that into two sections. Give us this day our daily bread. So what I want you to do now is to, is to try this. As you inhale, you would pray to God the first section of that. Give us this day. And then as you exhale, our daily bread. At whatever pace you're breathing, see if you can align. Give us this day our daily bread with your breathing as you inhale and exhale. I'll give you a few few moments in silence to do, to do that.
Okay, I know that me speaking is an interruption to your prayer. That's going to happen quite a bit today, and I apologize, but I hope you just feel a desire to keep doing this more beyond this time together. I want to remind us of what some of the New Testament has said about prayer. We know that Jesus had a consistent relationship with God through prayer. He often withdrew to lonely places to pray. Jesus was consistently going back to the Father, which is wonderful, and then taught his disciples that they should always pray and never give up. There are other instructions by Paul and the New Testament writers about praying without ceasing, praying in all circumstances, praying continually. This is a consistent theme throughout the New Testament, that we should be praying. Christians for centuries have figured out, wait, you know what? Breath prayers are one way to make this a reality. Where did breath prayers come from? Some people think that breath prayers come from originally ancient Israel, and the Psalms writers, who, like our writers of songs today, have this chorus that we just keep repeating over and over. It's like, there's a good verse, and then chorus, verse, chorus, verse 3, chorus. We keep coming back to these certain words that are, the, that are the core of the message of the song. In the same way, do you recognize in Psalm 42, verse 5, verse 11, and then over into 43, 5, it says, why are you downcast, O my soul? As if something about the psalmist connected with this phrase he or she kept coming back to writing this. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God, right? There's a lesson there. Similarly, in Psalm 80, consistently it says, make your face shine on us. God, may your glory shine on us. Also, in Psalm 136, consistently, his love endures forever. God saved us, his love endures forever. He saved us in this way, his love endures forever. At this time, his love endures forever. He's going to do it again, his love endures forever. There's a message there. Some people think breath prayers came from this repetition of the Psalms. In addition, there are those who think, okay, the New Testament has something to say about prayer. And there are some short prayers in the New Testament that sound a lot alike. For example, Bartimaeus said blind Bartimaeus he wants to receive sight keeps calling out to God and they say be quiet but he called all the more Jesus son of David have mercy on me he calls out and that sounds a whole lot like the tax collector who said God have mercy on me a sinner not the arrogant religious official who is boasting about prayer but the one who just humbly said God have mercy on me a sinner and then there's a Canaanite mom who comes wanting healing for a child and says Lord son of David have mercy on me really wanting healing for her daughter, for her child. If you look at these three prayers from the Synoptic Gospels, they're, they're similar. And so from these, people have extracted or created a phrase that has become known as the Jesus Prayer, which I want to distinguish from what we know as the Lord's Prayer, right? The Lord's Prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, our Father who art in heaven. Christians call this the Jesus Prayer, and it's some arrangement of Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Or, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So this is called the Jesus Prayer by many religious groups. I want to invite you to put into practice the Jesus Prayer now with the strategy that we practiced with Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. So, at whatever pace you're breathing, you just calm your spirit. And if you're willing to adopt this as a prayer, I want to give you some practice. As you, inhale the first, as you inhale, you say the first part of the phrase, Jesus Christ, Son of God. And then the second half, um, have mercy on me, a sinner. So go ahead and do that now for a few moments.
Thank you for participating in that time of prayer. I want to keep moving and talk a little bit more. We talked about the Old Testament. We talked about the New Testament. I want to talk about Christians throughout the centuries. So the Jesus prayer gained popularity throughout time as more and more people became aware of this practice of praying and aligning it with our breathing. And I've got to tell you, the Orthodox Church and Russian Christians have been stewards of this practice, maybe when some other branches of Christianity or disciples of Jesus neglected the practice. And so you see them being people who practice this for years. So the first evidence of the Jesus prayer being practiced and being written about that we know of comes from the life of Abba Philemon in the 6th and 7th centuries. And then the Philokalia, the Philokalia is a book used by the Orthodox Church about the teachings of Christians before them. And it's compiled in this range of hundreds of years. And so we don't know exactly where the beginning of the Jesus prayer is, but it's written about in there. And then Gregory of Sinai talks about this. He promoted in particular the active practice of the Jesus prayer or the invocation of the divine name of Jesus accompanied by a discipline of breathing. So saying the name of Jesus while breathing. Well, there's a lot we could do with that. So names of Jesus, we could say in our prayers. We could talk about the names of God in our prayers. Well, in addition, there's a great little book called The Way of a Pilgrim, which is about a Russian pilgrim walking around Russia, <laughs> searching for a teacher who can instruct him in the way of prayer. How do I pray without ceasing? And what he is told is he is taught the Jesus prayer, and he's taught breath prayers, and he's consistently walking and praying throughout his life and throughout the book. So it's, it's really interesting. Even St. Ignatius of Loyola wrote about this. The third method of prayer is by way of rhythm, that at each breath or respiration, prayer be made mentally, saying one word of the Lord's Prayer or of any other prayer that is being recited so that only one word be said between each breath. And in the length of time between each breath, let attention be specifically paid to the significance of the word. I was trying this again last night with the Lord's Prayer. Our... Father, who art in heaven, etc. But, but, but saying one word with each breath takes a while. And it takes focus and concentration. It makes you really think about what you're saying. I think that was the point, is to get you to think about what you're saying. So I always think it's helpful to have a conversation about why someone should do something. I tell my students at ACU, I want you to learn something and it will help you with your grades at the end of the semester. There's motivation for doing something. Why would I want to do something that's hard or difficult unless there's a really good reason? Well, I want to tell you that scriptural prayers and breath prayers in particular help us learn scripture. Because I'm going to show you a lot of scripture here in a little bit and we're going to practice with some of these phrases from the Bible. We're going to learn some verses. We're going to learn Bible, we're going to do Bible memorization here. That's helpful as we go on, on throughout life. Also, it helps us focus our attention. I can tell a lot about myself and where I am in my relationship with God by how easily and seamlessly I can sit still. I do this consistently with a group of guys on Thursdays at our chapel time. About 15, 20 guys, we get together. We come into a room, and we sit in five minutes of silence as we begin <coughs> And then we chant the song, and then we recite the Sermon on the Mount, and we talk about challenges. But how easily do I slide into just being still? Oh. I can tell how restless my soul is and how I am doing with God. So um, in that 
in those five minutes of silence, what do I do? What is my, what is, my mind wanders, but it can be focused, and my spirit can be focused on scripture, on a phrase, on a prayer. And so it's useful in that time to settle our souls and settle our spirits and focus our attention. <laughs> they give us words to pray. Sometimes I don't know what to pray. And so I can grab something from scripture. Matt Dabbs and I were talking about this this, uh, this morning. Matt Dabbs has a class this afternoon. I encourage you to go to check it out. He and I were talking about how useful scripture is. And I got to tell you, there are times when I'm anxious, I'm nervous, I'm worried, I'm concerned. And there's this delightful phrase in the Psalms that says, when anxiety is great within me, your consolation brings me joy. But anxiety's antidote is the consolation of God that gives joy? There's a breath prayer. When anxiety is great within me, your consolation gives me joy. And so it gives me words to say to God about my situation that makes things better because my mind and my spirit get settled. And so they, they give us words to pray, breath prayers, and so they're helpful. And they lead us back to God. There's a guy named James Brian Smith who's written several books, one of them, The Good and Beautiful God. And he talks about, or he's talked about how he has this phrase he repeats. It's almost like a meditation that he reminds himself of. He says, I live, well, let me start at the beginning. I am one in whom God dwells and delights, and I live in the unshakable kingdom of God. So when I'm frantic, frenetic, out of control, I can center myself by reminding myself of what is true. I am one in whom God dwells and delights, and I live in the unshakable kingdom of God. So then I can face whatever I'm facing next. It's going to be okay. That's helpful. So returning to God is something scripture and these prayers do. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I just want to acknowledge there are some people who think, wait a minute, Jesus says, don't keep on babbling like pagans, uh, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. And he gives us the Lord's Prayer. I think the motivation is, is what's important there. We're not saying breath prayers thinking that God hears us because we repeated it a hundred times. The repeating often is more about our souls than, than trying to get an answer, although we are told to be consistent in prayer. So there are some objections because it sounds like or looks like or reminds people of Eastern spirituality, but I would contend that possibly Eastern religions may have been inspired by the Hebrew people who prayed to God consistently with the Psalms. Maybe, maybe God's people are the ones who taught the Eastern religions these things. We don't know. But just because it looks similar doesn't mean we, sh we should reject it. And some people say, it seems like it doesn't work for me. Some people just don't like to try to align words with breathing. And if that's your case, then I would say, okay, don't worry about the breathing part. But you could repeat the phrase. You know? I'm not advocating ceasing breathing. Okay, just to be clear. The breathing part will take care of itself is what I'm suggesting. Just focus on the words. So, all right. We're going to look at the Psalms as a teacher for us today. I'm not the only teacher the Psalms is going to teach us. There are those who have said the Psalms is a great teacher, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's a great school of prayer. Like Eugene Peterson, it's a great and sprawling university. Uh, Jackie Smallbones has said it's the prayer book of the people of God. And even Athanasius said, you know, reciting Psalms teaches us to grow spiritually. Wow. Okay. Something about the Psalms is vital to discipleship and important to Christians throughout centuries. 
So I want to suggest there are several things that happen when we pray. And so I'm going to be doing two things simultaneously right here. I want, to, I want to teach us about prayer and have us practice breath prayers at the same time. So it's going to take participation on your part. So number one, I believe that through prayer, we receive an awareness of God's presence with us. This is also answering the question, why should I pray? Why should I engage in breath prayers? Well, you might just acquire a greater awareness of God's presence where you are. Like Moses, who was just going about his daily work of being a shepherd when the burning bush happened. And there was an awareness that had to happen. Wait a minute. This bush is on fire, but it's not burning up. What's going on? And even though he thought it strange, he still didn't know what was going on until the voice says, this is holy ground. Your shoes should be off already. Okay. So I think through prayer, we can go to that place of awareness in our hearts that says, wow, God is with us. And there are some psalms that teach us, with, teach us about this. For example, Psalm 63, my God, earnestly I seek you. Psalm 73, I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. I love that image of like a parent and a child crossing the street, walking through the park. Psalm 125, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so you surround your people. These are, these are talking to God about God's presence with the speaker. You go before me and follow me. Your hand of blessing is on my head. If one of these resonates with your heart, I want to give you a few seconds in silence to adopt it as a breath prayer. It's divided into lines so that as you inhale, you would say the first top line, and as you exhale, you would say the second line. And just pick one for now and just repeat it a few times in silence. Thank you for participating in that prayer time. It's so comforting to know that, that God is present. God is with me. God is reaching out for me. God is holding me. God is there, even if I don't feel it. And maybe that's when I need to most pray these prayers, when I don't feel it, to speak the truth that is real, speak the truth that is true. When my feelings don't testify to it, at least my, my mouth can testify to what is true. We need to have an awareness of God's presence. Now, there's something else that happens when we pray. When we pray, when we encounter God, when we really engage in any spiritual practice, one of the things is we're becoming more available to receive what God desires for us. I've used the word gifts hesitantly. Oh, I almost wanted to say blessings, but that sounds also like gifts. And so I almost put tools because you're going to see what's going to happen next, what God does with these gifts. But let's just talk about them as gifts for a moment because they are gifts. The ability to speak, the ability to breathe, the ability to walk into this room, which is thankful I'm thankful that you did that. Thank you uh, for being here. Um, God says to Moses, hey, Moses, what's that in your hand? Okay, it's a staff. And so God gives Moses a few tools to use. You're going to throw this thing down. It becomes a snake. You grab it, and, and it becomes a staff again. It's really cool. There was also the hand in the cloak trick. It comes out as leprous, put it back in, and it's clean again. These are some amazing tricks, miracles that God uses. And also there was the whole, uh, you can take water from the Nile, pour it out and it will become blood. These are, these are tools as evidence 
of God's presence with Moses. Later on, the whole Nile will turn into blood. But God gives Moses tools. God had, I think there's a sequence here, too, that God had to make himself known to Moses so that Moses would listen to God and receive gifts. And so what do the Psalms say about gifts given by God? Fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Just lavish me with stuff, God, your eternal joy and, and pleasure. Teach me the way I should go and counsel me with your love. It is a gift from God to be counseled, to be given wisdom. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. The joy of salvation given by God. And then, when anxiety is great within me, your consolation brought me joy. If there, are one of these, if there is one of these that resonates with you right now, I want to invite you to put it into practice just for a few seconds in silence as a breath prayer. Okay, thank you. We know that disciples of Jesus for years, for centuries, all throughout time, have asked God for help and wanted, wanted gifts and wanted blessings and wanting tools. And what I would say is that these are intended for the work of the kingdom, for God's mission. Whenever God gives something, I believe it is for not just our sake, but for the sake of the world. And so... Can you imagine Moses going to Aaron and Miriam saying, hey, check this out, what I could do with this staff. Look, it becomes a snake. Isn't that cool? And impress his siblings and all his friends. And if that's all he ever did with it, what a loss. What a shame. What a waste. God gave Moses the staff and snake trick to go to Pharaoh with the staff and the snake trick. I keep calling it a trick. I hope that's not offensive. Uh, the miracle. And so, go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. We pray expecting God's presence and expecting to receive and remember what we've been given by God and maybe even to feel a commission again. Maybe even we pray at times to be inspired again to go. There is a sending component here. And you hear this in the Psalms. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. I cannot help but testify about God. I'll declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to those who are to come. I will, God, declare what you've done. And there's this, this promise, this vow. I will declare your glory and your deeds to the nations. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. There's this willingness and availability here by the psalmist that I want to acquire. I want to acquire. So if there's one of these that resonates with you, take a few moments and practice it as a breath prayer. Thank you for participating in that time of prayer. Now what comes next? 
What comes next is we've sensed God's presence. We've received God's gifts. We have uh, been commissioned to join God's work. And here's what goes down in my house. I talk to one daughter and I say, will you please go sweep the floor? And they say, that's not my chore. Or get someone else to do it. Or send someone else. And this is something that is repeated not just in our homes, but also it was repeated long ago by Moses who said, please send somebody else. I can't imagine doing this task that you've given me to do. I'm not eloquent of speech. I don't think they're going to believe me. I'm not sure I believe you. Um, please send somebody else to do this job. So frequently, we as followers of God request additional help. We've received gifts from God already, but there's this secondary approach to God where we say, I need more, more help. You know that in addition to the things we've already described with the cloak and the leprosy and the staff and the snake and the water and the blood and the Nile, God says, okay, you also can have Aaron. Isn't that interesting? That God listened and God responded and God gave. I wonder if the psalmists know about this. <laughs> Psalm 3, arise, Lord, deliver me, oh my God. You have delivered people in the past. I've got a problem. Do it again, please. Deliver me. Save me, God. The water's up to my neck. This was me three or four weeks ago grading papers. I had like five <laughs> stacks. I, that they were embarrassingly late in response to the students that I should have given them back already, should have graded them. I'm drowning. Save me, God. Summon your power, God. Scatter the nations who delight in war. Amen. It's time for you to act, Lord. Your law is being broken. I love that. God, get up. Do something. Your law is being broken. This is not right. Justice is not being enacted. And so... When we request God's help, sometimes it shows up as intercession. God, help those people. God, save those people. God, please. Or sometimes it's um, intercession or, um, or even for ourselves, just lament. God, my situation is bad. God, save me. The water's up to my neck. So lament and intercession are two of the ways we sometimes ask for God's help. I've got to tell you that I thought about lament before, but intercession isn't something that I've thought a lot about until I've had two experiences in the past couple of years that have really drawn my attention to it. One is worshiping at the Leipzig English Church in Leipzig, Germany, and where the, the lay members of the congregation would stand up every Sunday and do the prayer of intercession for other people. And to hear the, the, just the heart of the people's concern for others, not just in the church, but in the community and in the world, was striking. And so prayers of intercession for others is an amazing thing to do. And the other experience was my wife and I are mentors with the International Rescue Committee, the IRC in Abilene, where we have a lot of refugees coming. And we were mentoring this one family. And the long story short, this, this guy had been a plumber back where in his former nation. He came here, wanted to get a job as a plumber, but couldn't. So he got a job at Lowe's being a stalker of shelves from the 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. shift. But he also found out that he could, during the day, practice to be a plumber with this being an apprentice and then maybe get a plumbing certificate. And so for one week, he had to do both jobs, 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. and then like 8 to 5. And he had to do it for a week in order to hopefully get it. And so, so the night before he was supposed to start his plumbing job, it was a Sunday night, he was going to Lowe's, it starts raining, and he has to ride his bike to, to Lowe's. And my wife is like, Houston, are you going to let Hussein ride his bike in the rain to Lowe's? And I'm like, okay, no, I'll go get him. So I got in my car, 
drove Yahoo saying, I'm dropping him off at Lowe's, and he's going in there, and I know what he's about to experience this whole week. And just as he got out of the car, I just, this out of my mouth came, God help him. I just thought, wow, this guy, he's got it worse than I have, and he's got a rough row ahead. But, I mean, he succeeded, and he is now a plumber successfully. He worked hard. But I was just like, God help him. This, this desire to, to pray for someone else that you're, with compassion. So I would say either lament or an intercession, God welcomes our requesting additional help. There's a precedent for that with God's people. And I think even the Psalms testify that it's okay to do that. If there's one of these that resonates with you, I want to ask you to adopt it as a prayer for a few moments right now. Thank you for participating in that prayer time. So, craziest thing happens when we encounter God and recognize what he's given us and feel called and commissioned to go and then have this relationship with God where we're communicating with God and saying, this is going well, this is not, I could use some more support here. We have that conversation and when these things happen, there's a result. I want to tell you what it is. We start to look a lot more like God. Interestingly, God says to Moses, you know what? Sure, I'll give you Aaron. You're going to be a mouthpiece to Aaron, and it's going to be like you are God to him. That's crazy. That's wild. It's almost like, okay, Moses, you be like God, and Aaron will be like the prophet, and he'll speak. And, and I don't think there's just that. I also think that Moses, through the whole experience of the Exodus, became more like God. I mean, he'd already been a shepherd for 40 years, right? But do you remember how he, like, murdered somebody and had an anger issue? And so then there's 40 years of shepherding, and then there's this experience of shepherding Israel away from Egypt. I think Moses felt righteous anger and indignation when he saw the people worshiping the golden calf. Anger in a good way, in that sense. And I think instead of murdering somebody, Moses said, God, kill me instead of these people. Like, I'll, I'll die so they'll live. Like, self-sacrifice. I think Moses became more like God because of his relationship with God in the Exodus story. I think we become more like God through prayer and through a relationship with God. It just sort of happens. What do the psalmists have to say about this? Well, Psalm 51, Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. How can I keep to the path of purity? By living according to your word. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So I tried to find psalms that talked about becoming more like God desires for us to be or becoming more like the heart of God, having purity like God and holiness like God. So take a moment and pick one of these and adopt it as a breath prayer.
Okay, thank you for that time of prayer. There's one final thing I want to mention that I think happens in prayer and happens in our relationship with God and happens whenever we engage in spiritual practices. And here it is. I think it frequently leads to expressions of worship. I think it leads to praise. When we see what God has done, when we experience God's presence and we, we see the gifts God's given and see God's help offered and see the amazing ways that God is working in the world to, to do God's work, and whenever we see the transformation in our own lives, sometimes there's just an eruption of praise. Now, this happened with Moses, but I just want to highlight this one thing. That in Exodus 3 and 4, when Moses is saying, hey, God, what if they don't believe me? Hey, God, what if, what if Pharaoh doesn't believe you? What, and who are you? And, and how do I know this is all real? You remember one of the things God said? He said, I'll give you a sign, Moses. You want a sign? Here's the sign. One day you're going to come back and worship me on this mountain. And Moses is like, I want the sign now. <laughs> I, I want evidence. I'm asking you for proof. And God says, you, you're going to get your proof. You'll come back and worship me on this mountain. But it'll be later. There's got to be an obedience first before there's sometimes validation or confirmation. And this is what happened in Moses' life. You obey and then you understand in the obedience. There are those who say all spiritual practices have their end game in worship, like worship is the goal. Maybe. I, I'm not sure what I think about that yet. I'm still thinking about it. So, but I do think it's vital. I think worshiping God is central. And the psalmist thought it was pretty important too. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I will praise you, Lord, for the wonders of your love. Um, I encourage my children on a um, hiking trip through the Davis Mountains of Texas once to adopt this as a breath prayer on our hike. You're going to see a lot of amazing things today, wildlife and trees and nature. As you put one foot in front of the other, try this out. I praise you, Lord, for the wonders of your love. And when you want to complain about how tired you are, <laughs> I praise you, Lord, for the wonders of your love. There you go. I, pray, I proclaim your love in the morning, and I proclaim your faithfulness at night. And I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You've heard some of these before. But they're talking about worshiping God and praising God. So take just a moment in silence and adopt one of these as a prayer of praise to God. So I want to pause just for a moment and give you a brief opportunity to respond. I want to tell you that one of the things I've tried to do here is train you in being more productive in the next boring meeting you're in. <laughs> Nobody needs to know that you're praying and redeeming the time. And so you've just sat in a room in silence and prayed. 
that's sometimes how I handle faculty meetings. But um, <laughs> you can do breath. Oh man, this is being recorded. Oh no. <laughs> you can use breath prayers while you're driving down the road, as long as it doesn't, you know, impede your ability to focus on your speed. You can use breath prayers in meetings. You can use breath prayers while you're walking up steps. In fact, I'm going to implant that into your mind. <laughs> the next time you face steps, I want you to think about what would it be like to use breath prayers aligned with your, with your walking? Okay? Just, you'll have to work that out. Sometimes it works a word, a step. Sometimes you need a phrase, a step. But you'll have to work that out. Explore that. Think about it. Uh, next time you face steps, or just walking across a flat surface, or driving, or sitting in a meeting, or facing a challenge, or about to have to, not have to, about to teach. <laughs> Anxiety scrapes in me, your consolation gives me joy. Or, God help me, I'm yours. God save me, I'm yours. That's a prayer from the Psalms. So this is all necessary to have a knowledge of scripture in order to do. We have to have the scripture somewhere. And that's one of the great things about breath prayers is there's repetition built into breath prayers to help us learn them to use them later on. There are those who found breath prayers useful to divert the attention in temptation. So this is terribly applicable for many areas of life, to help anxiety, to help with identity formation, to help resist temptation. There are many uses and tools. But I want to hear just for a moment some feedback from you about the experience we've had so far in this class. Is there anything that's been helpful or surprising or that you want to put into practice in the future? So, reactions, well, yes. Recently I went to a group about anxiety in a women's group and she was teaching us mindful breathing. And okay. I had no idea what that was. And I was like, explain, you know, and it's kind of like Eastern, you know. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, she was saying, focus on God. And I don't know, it was all new to me, but it was a cool idea. But this totally tied her completely. Mm -hmm. So now when I mindful breathe, I have something to actually think. Good content to use in your breathing. Thank you very much. Are there others? Yes. I think for me, um, what I've appreciated is is how to how to teach it. Because mm -hmm. I think where I it, it kind of sits in the abstract a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's a tangible practice, but how to go about teaching someone else to think about it? How do you teach someone else to breathe? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know. And so I, I really appreciate the way you've taken it and okay. done it. Very good, especially the tie to Exodus. Okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I um, led a worship time on Wednesdays, first Wednesdays for a while at our church. And a few people have commented on some of the things that we do look like Eastern religions. Mm -hmm. And what I've gone back to, and what kind of you've uh, here, is that there's no reason we should let the Eastern religions steal from us mm -hmm. practices just because they're focusing on finding your inner self. Instead, we're looking at finding where God is here, mm -hmm. finding his presence and how he's acting through us. Yeah. The focus of this is connection with God rather than focus on whatever they do. Right. The practices are spot on uh, with recognizing that God's spirit is in us. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to be feared in finding how he is expressing it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, there's a focus that we have that's unique. Yes. Uh, I tend to hold my breath 
when I concentrate. And um, this, I think, is going to help me to um, maintain concentration and ease of breathing at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it may feel unnatural at first to try this, but, but hopefully we can slide into a, a comfortable rhythm. Because there's a temptation for me to speed up my, my breathing or slow down my breathing. Or, so thank you for that testimony. That's helpful. Okay, yes? Often uh, read scripture and think about what it means, but don't integrate it into my daily thinking or practice. Right. And, um, I've, I've looked at breath prayers, and that one you mentioned from Smith, whatever the rest of his name is. Yeah. Um, I've heard that one and recited that one, um, but just seeing this list reminded mm -hmm. me like there's so many just small phrases, not you know long tones right. we should try to memorize, but these little phrases we can grab and take and yeah. own and right. Absolutely. There's so much. And, and we've hung out in the Psalms. That leaves a whole lot of scripture available for you to go explore and search for these. Yeah. So that's your homework to go. <laughs> professor. Yeah. Go read the Bible. That's what you got out of this class. Okay. So for those of you interested in the slightly more academic uh, side of this conversation, I want to tell you that there are those like Richard Foster and James Bryan Smith who talk about it with Renovari, who talk about the streams of Christianity, and you may recognize the contemplative, evangelical, social justice, etc. Adele Calhoun has her Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, and she talks about a catalog of spiritual disciplines. There are practices that go in these areas, like worship, and then opening your heart to God, and hearing God, etc. And then even John Ortberg has this pathways conversation in his book, God is Closer Than You Think, where he identifies certain types of spiritual practices. Well, what I'm suggesting is I, I, I came up with this list. I looked at Exodus and I came up with these ideas. And then I started studying and realizing that there's nothing new under the sun and this wasn't original to me. And I had inadvertently just given new names to what other people were already saying. When it comes to sensing God's presence, you know, that's just like the prayer-filled life or opening yourself to God. And receiving God's gifts is about hearing God's call and, and knowing what the word tells us. And, and so this is compiled in a book called Pray Like You Breathe. Hopefully you can remember the name. Uh, but uh, that I wrote this past year as I got to study this and focus on this and try to dive deep into what is prayer and how have other people prayed in their lives. So, interestingly, you could do this with the Lord's Prayer. So, just for a moment in your own mind, what's happening when we say each of these phrases? So uh, there are two things I want to say. Yes, you could make the Lord's Prayer into a breath prayer by doing phrases as you inhale and exhale. If you want to do that, use this time to do that. Others of you, where are you sensing God's presence? Where are you receiving God's gifts? Where are you, um, you know, acting with God or being commissioned by God to act? Where are you worshiping God? Where, when we say these things, are we requesting additional help? Do you see any of the categories that we've already talked about evident in this prayer? <coughs> Here's one way it might look. 
It seems like all the things we were talking about is happening in the Lord's Prayer in various ways. Maybe. This is just my interpretation of it. I could be wrong. So, I want to tell you just a little bit more about this, this book before we, um, I lead you in the last spiritual um, breath prayer practice. I divided the book into four weeks. And there are 28 chapters in this, but they're terribly short, like two or three pages. So that if you wanted to, you could read this book one chapter a day for four weeks. And it would have you keeping coming back to pray. There's, there's text to read, but then there's an assignment of prayer to do at the end of each chapter. So in the first week, I talk about practicing prayer. Uh, breath prayers in the Bible and church history, a little bit of what, what we talked about. Uh, common reservations to prayer and, and what Jesus says about praying consistently. But the second week talks about praying with the Psalms. And each of the days talks about sensing God's presence, receiving God's gifts, joining God's work, requesting God's help, adopting God's character, and praising God's name. And then week three is about special occasions. When might someone want to use special occasions of breath prayer? Like morning prayers. Like nighttime prayers. Prayers for students or learners. What I've done in one of my classes at ACU is at the beginning of every class, I lead my students through a breath prayer exercise. From one of the, Psalm 119 has a lot of material and other psalms about students wanting to learn God's word. Teaching your word that I can walk in your steps or open my eyes to see what you want to teach me. What a great prayer that I want my students to pray before class. Open my eyes to see what you want to teach me, God. Multi-breath prayers where there's multiple phrases that could be divided up like the Lord's Prayer. A community praying in prayer. God's name in the Psalms, there are many names of God given to us in the Psalms that we could use. Our rock, our refuge, our strength, our helper. We could use those in prayer. And so we, uh, I talk about how to do that. And then also meditation. Uh, we've been talking a lot about breath prayers. But I want to highlight that speaking truth is like a meditation. So the Lord is good, his love endures forever. Not you are good, your love endures forever, but the Lord is good, his love endures forever is a meditation. And because it's not really addressed to God, it's really addressed to my soul if I'm praying it or if I'm meditating on it. Remember, meditation may have a connotation of Eastern religions, but we have Psalm 1. <laughs> Blessed are those who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit and see the mockers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on God's law they meditate day and night. They're like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, etc. And so, meditation is condoned or commissioned or encouraged by Scripture and God. So, and week four is beyond the Psalms. I look at the rest of the Old Testament and show some of the, the breath prayers from the Old Testament. And even in the New Testament, there are many phrases that can be adopted as breath prayers. I talk about the Lord's Prayer, the languages of the world. How fun is that? Give us this day our daily bread. Donnez-nous aujourd'hui notre pain quotidien. En français, yeah. And auf Deutsch, gib uns heute unser tägliches Brot. What would it be like, even if you don't speak the language very well, to just learn a part of scripture in another language? It connects you not only with God, but those people around the world who are praying that prayer. I think there's value there. So I have a few examples of scriptures that you can adopt from other languages. Um, creating your own breath prayers. <laughs> I was talking to one of my kids about this 
And uh, she said, Dad, I, I pray a breath prayer I made. I'm like, you made a breath prayer? She's, Haven's 10. She's in fourth grade. And she goes, yeah. She said, I pray in school all the time. It's like, what do you pray in school? She says, I'm trying my hardest, God. Please help. <laughs> good. Another student's prayer. That's good. I'm trying my hardest, God. Now help. Please help. So a breath prayer. She uses which is great. And so I have a, ch a brief chapter on I mean, what would it be like to create your own breath prayer and I give a couple prompts to get us thinking about how to do that. The last chapter ends on talking about the breath of life, connecting Genesis. Humans are made from the dust of the earth and the breath of God. And if at any point God takes God's breath back, mm. we're done. So it's God's breath that gives us life. And so for us to talk about breath prayer, there's something that's important and significant there. Uh, one of the chapters I didn't talk about, I'm going to talk about now to conclude um, with. But actually, no, I need to hear from you. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Any other reactions you have to this idea of breath prayer? Or a way you found it helpful in your ministries or in your, in your life? Yeah. In ministry, when I have people come often for counseling or people have gone through stuff, trauma, whatever, and, you, um, and that's informing who they are now, mm -hmm. and often this is part of what I have them do. Like do something like you know, just three or four minutes, just uh, Lord Jesus, I'm your beloved. Just kind of, um, just kind of fill that tank with some all the attention to God, but also that message of who they are. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. that reminder. I'm glad it's been helpful to you. Thank you. Yes? I like to do yoga, and I like to do like Christian yoga, so like I'll put mm -hmm. on Pandora to like Christian music. Yeah. Um, but this is sort of like my acapella version, because oh, nice. I don't have to listen to music, but I can have the scripture. I had never thought about using this in yoga. Breath prayers, the acapella yoga. yoga. I like that. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Thank you very much. Um, when I was, I, I've been in ministry quite a long time and uh, started grad school at ACU and admittedly uh, prayer had always been hard for me because of my brain, just the way it works, wouldn't sit, wouldn't be still. And uh, I was in a spiritual formation class and they suggested the Jesus prayer. So I started it and I started it the ancient way of mm -hmm. 50 times a day and then 100 times a day and then yeah. whatever. And so it's just the rhythm I got into. And so anyway, I started doing it, transformed my life. A few years ago, I, uh, I, taught, I came home and I taught it to our kids in our youth group and started living it with them. Good. And the other day I had a kid sitting around the table and one of my former seniors came back, one of my former students, and I was reteaching the Jesus Prayer. And she called it, she said, you know, I, I don't always do the rhythm and the practice the way we used to do it. She goes, but I find myself when, when life gets unmanageable, I always run back to that place of presence that has, and she said, been drilled into my heart. Yeah, right. And it just, right. yeah. So, yeah, anyway. yeah. It's, in those moments, as you're drifting into sleep, those moments in the middle of the night when you can't sleep, what comes to your mind? Yeah. Well, if you've drilled this into your heart, this is what comes in your mind. Yes. Scripture. And it's so helpful. I, it's better than the other scary things to think about. 
in those times. I'm telling you, you can train yourself where this is what pops up out of your heart. And, uh, and that can be a good thing. I have a friend who a couple years ago, when we were sharing uh, the day before Ash Wednesday, uh, what we were gonna commit to for Lent and shared what I was gonna do. He shared that he was gonna do a couple hundred breath prayers a day. And I was like, a couple hundred breath prayers a day? Dude, who does that? That's crazy, that's wild. How do you do that? And he explained how he uses a prayer rope where he can count, you know, after he's gone around and he knows 33 times or 100 times. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It, it helps you. Kind of like yeah. that. Yep. Um, and again, that may be over the line for some people. That may that may be intimidating or look a lot like something else to some people. But yeah. it's, it counts the number of times you said a breath prayer. Um, but but I found, I, so I chased him down in that in Lent. I said, I said, you're going to do that. I want to see if I can do that too. And I, and I practiced that and I, and I did it with him. And it was great. It's a wonderful experience. And by the way, uh, the Way of a Pilgrim, that, that book by the Russian peasant, about the Russian peasant, talks about hundreds of times a day, or even thousands of times a day. Admittedly, he was a pilgrim walking, doing a lot throughout his time, so he had time to do that. But a couple hundred times a day is possible. I have figured out that I can do 125 breath prayers from my house to Patty Harper Dance Studio <laughs> and back. And so I'm driving it a lot, taking kids there, so why not redeem the time and use it well? So, speaking of the time, um, it's always awkward to tell somebody about a book. I, I care about this. I want you to pray. I'd love it if you buy the book. It's available on Amazon, but I want you to pray. Okay? So it's called Pray Like You Breathe. The last thing I want to do is in song lyrics, we have many phrases. So I want to spend the last four minutes, three minutes, giving you some songs to use as prayers. I'll just read through these, and then I'll say a prayer again. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew. Breathe, O breath of God, now breathe. Let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Help of the helpless, O oh, abide with me. O oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, this is my constant longing and prayer. Be with me, Lord. I cannot live without thee. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Let thy grace now, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. 
my one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. Thank you, God, for giving us scripture that is so useful and helpful for training and teaching and correcting. God, thank you for the ways it produces a harvest of righteousness in our hearts and minds and lives by us who are trained by it. God, will you help us to re-engage scripture in a culture and in a world that shoves it aside? Will you help us to pursue the knowledge of truth? Because we know that the knowledge of truth is a foundation for additional learning and, and thinking and evaluation and judgment and creating new things. Thank you for your word. Help us to love it as a testimony about you. And God, as we think about adopting breath prayers into our lives and teaching others about this as well, Will you allow the meditations of our hearts and the words of our mouths to be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer? Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Blessings on the rest of your day.